Hi, I'm Ann Jensen coming to you from the East Coast of New Jersey. Hi, I'm Skylar West coming to you from the West Coast of Canada. We are two romance writers using our life experiences to break down and share with you all things romance. How you find your next book boyfriend, discovering genres and tropes, and looking at what works and why, and what doesn't work and why. Welcome back to Coast to Coast Romance. Today, we are going to be doing an interview with Vanessa Brooks, a wonderful romance author in historical romance. Historical Um, romance and many other genres. Wonderful. Great to have you on. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Yay. Vanessa is one of my favorite authors, so I'm happy she's here too. Today, we're going to be diving into Vanessa's head and figuring out what it is about the romance genre that she loves to write and read and everything like that. Let's get started with Vanessa. What is your favorite subgenre of romance to read, write, whatever? It's very difficult to say a favorite because I have so many likes, but writing, I have to say, I do love writing historical romance. However, I've branched out and I've written cowboy books, westerns, I've written a kind of dimensional time travel, I've written time travel, daddy books, and I just, I love pushing myself, I love trying a different genre. There are a few I don't particularly want to write in, but I do quite enjoy reading. Um, I've recently started reading some of the less violent um, mafia stories, put it that way, the more romantic mafia stories. I've started reading one or two of those to see what that's all about. But I don't think I'd ever write in that particular subgenre. So the darker stuff is is what you... The darker stuff is not for me. And I have tried reading some of the darker sort of Stockholm Syndrome type of work. And that, again, is not for me. So, Vanessa, can I ask you a question about your your written genres? I it's interesting because as a writer, I don't write historical, at least not yet, probably still because it scares me. I find, well, I particularly love to read it. I it's a huge passion of mine. And I've read Margaret George and some of the more those really large detailed novels with those historical references. Yes. I guess you could say. And Nigel Tranter, he's a historical writer who wrote about different Highland clans. So there's a lot of actual reality in these Mm. stories. Mm. And so so when I read yours, I really liked the time era in history that you picked. Is there a particular reason you picked that time in history? Uh, Yes, because George III was the king in England. Um, that instigated um, the American colonies and um, the uprising after that. And I just thought it's a really interesting time. There was a lot of change that went on and it leads to Regency, which is again another very brief moment in history, but quite interesting. The clothing was very colourful. I quite like the outfits the, the men wore with the knee-high leather boots mm. and the tight breeches and right. cutaway coats, loose white shirts. It's, a, it's an outfit that really suited a man, and I could just picture my heroes in my head very easily. Okay, so part of your motivation was what stimulated you visually as well. 
Yes, and okay. the fact that I do love that era of history. I've done a lot of reading. Um, I did history at school, mm. and I've always been interested in history. Right. And when I first started writing, I did have this perception that basically spanking belonged in the past. And I wasn't quite sure how the modern woman re- would react to a story with spanking in it. Whereas in those days, it was commonplace. Yes. It was an everyday occurrence. But what shocked me was some of the reviews I got, which actually thought that I was incorporating BDSM. <laughs> and actually that's where it all began in the first place you know so, <laughs> it rather shocked me <laughs> that is interesting yes and they all still believe that historical books the woman should consent but that's not how the past was no, no. You know, women didn't have rights they couldn't earn land they didn't have bank accounts yeah um they, they couldn't own property they didn't inherit to do anything right um, and they were spanked and they were beaten and they were murdered uh, which yeah. I don't dwell on in my books obviously because I want them to be sexy and I want them to be romantic but I have to say I mean I've got a review here I don't know if you'd like me to read it yes yeah mm-hmm. this quite shocked me this this was on my the series of books put into one book under one cover. What was and it called? Day, the, uh, Masterful Husbands Tame Their Wives. Okay, so I've read that series. Okay. Yes. Um, and she says, I'm not a prude and I'm not averse to some BDSM in my stories, but these men were both boorish and just plain cool at times. Well, hmm. I find that incredible. I don't think they were at all. There were many times I wanted their wives to get up, smack them across the face and leave. I made it through to the first two stories, but the third one was just too ridiculous. I gave up and returned the book. Glad I borrowed it and did not purchase it. And I was actually also shocked that she's allowed to review a book she didn't buy. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think on some levels that looking at the verified purchase versus the non-verified purchase it's like sometimes I wonder with reviews if they actually read the book or why if you only get to book page 10 Mm. you feel that you can review a book Mm. but historicals like there's some people that I'm like in America it's very very common where it's like Oh, the golden days of history was, you know, where everyone was happy and, (laughs) you know, rainbows were in the sky and and all those kinds of things. And you're like, did you read the same history books I read? Because that's 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 not how it was. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't. (laughs) No, yeah, it is interesting perception and. Anne's made reference to me in the past where she has stated that, you know, whether they're good reviews or bad reviews, she always finds them intriguing as to where people's mindsets go. And so a lot of our podcasts are about breaking things down and going over them and hoping that uh, people that write reviews, whether they're certified verified purchases or not, will understand a little bit more about our tropes, our subgenres, our genre in general how the writing process evolved. And Mm. at the end of the day, romance is about an HEA, right? Yes. How they get there is your reality adjacent story, as Mm. Anne puts so eloquently. It's your reality adjacent story. It's your fantasy and uh, how you perceive the characters, the 
I loved how you described how you saw the men, the heroes in your stories. That's brilliant. Yeah. And so that's that's what makes a story. That's what makes a writer write a story. It's because it's yeah. there. It's in their head. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like, um, when I write a, a historical book, I like to make sure they're flawed. You know, men in those days were perhaps more flawed than modern men. I don't know if that's correct, but there was certainly, there wasn't political correctness around. And I like to portray that. And I like to portray the fact that love changes them. And yes. so they then become softer towards the woman of their yes. choice than the woman that they love. And, you know, perhaps if they're a philanderer, it, they stop that behaviour. And I think a lot of readers find it difficult to accept a flawed hero. Yes. And I, I also think that with historicals, you have a different standard of what was perfect. Mm. You know, like the perfect man today, according to media, is, you know, completely woke and understands women's rights and women's lib and, you know, and everything like that. But historically, the perfect man didn't feel that way. No. The perfect, he you know, cook and he certainly couldn't iron. Uh, and he wouldn't have gone shopping. <laughs> yes. And he certainly wouldn't have, you know, um, put the woman before his own needs. And the perfect characteristics was more a provider or, you know, yes. a, a warrior, a, a strong or a protector, yeah. you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I know. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bernard Cornwall. Cornwell? Yes, of course. Okay. So he, I read his Londinium and his Sauron books and when they go back through the history to how it's interesting he takes the the little history of the island back to mm. its beginning roots and so you get to see how in his rendition how human relationships are formed not just the island and civilization and you follow the ancestry through of these original peoples right in a lot of cases and uh, I mean some of it he, he doesn't hold back with you know how corrupt or nasty a lot of men were. Having said that, in modern times, there's a lot of corrupt, nasty men too. <laughs> I don't, I don't think they only exist at one time in history. Yeah, it's all very intriguing. Okay. Now we were talking about the men and everything like that. But when you start to write your stories, what comes first for you? Like the storyline? Or is it the characters? Is, is it a picture of the men or the women? What triggers that story idea for you first? I always like to start with a what if and work from there. And when I begin a book, I'm waiting for my characters to come alive because I'm rather a pantser, which is a term we authors use for somebody who doesn't plot everything out on paper. And my characters leave me. And when I write and they come alive, for me, I'm watching a film in my head and frantically typing to keep up and tell the story that I'm seeing. Um, what I find difficult is if I'm in an anthology and I know I've got to write a certain way and a certain plot and the characters don't come to life and then I find it incredibly difficult because it's like pushing chess pieces around the board that are stuck down with glue for me. I, I just, I hate it. You sound exactly found like some me. Some anthologies have taken me. I yeah, have the exact I, I mean, same it problem. It would take me months to write a 20,000 word piece where the characters to me are dead. And yet I can write a 50,000 word book in about two months if the characters are alive and racing ahead. 
Right. And they wake me up at night, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I've got to write that down. For goodness sake, leave me alone until the morning. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the process. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, I'm writing, I have a WIP right now, and it is a romance, obviously. And I'm just at that point where it's no longer just about the two characters. So I'm like 18,000 words in, and now the mystery of what drew them together, what they thought was, you know, serendipitous or, you know, accidental is now starting to come to a point. So for me, it's, it, I'm with you. It's like when the characters are alive, they go streaming off. And then all of a sudden, I have to add in other characters for the plot to develop and I'm like well okay now I gotta stop and think about this who is this guy (laughs) who's this guy really what do I want him to do how is he gonna fit into both their lives and so when I stop and do the jiggling and the maneuvering as you said the chessboard pieces pushing them this way and that way so I usually find the first 20,000 words or so is like bing 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 I have them done in a week then I start to maneuver those you know secondary and third yeah. uh, characters around and that takes another week and then when that's all fandangled into the plot line ding 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 the last you know however many thousands of words is done in a few days and then I try and agonize over the editing process but if both of you know me well know that I I don't <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thankful for my friends <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's interesting because really, even as what you've said is, is uh, there's really a third option. It's not necessarily the story or the character for you. It's the situation or maybe the, is it usually the what if about the meet cute or some sort of, sort of situation they're going to get? So it's more like a yeah. environmental story. Yeah, yes. Yeah, kind of, um, I when I wrote my daddy books, I didn't want to write a straightforward daddy book. I wanted to explore the genre to help. When I write, I find I understand things better. Once I'm in a character, I can understand something. I wanted to understand how a little felt about the daddy-little relationship. Uh, But I didn't want to write the straightforward. I thought, well, what if a woman was suddenly thrown in to that situation and it hadn't even occurred to her to before that there were daddies and nipples and so that's where I got this time dimension swap and my character moves in an aeroplane in um situation of turbulence in the plane and when she lands she discovers she's got a husband she was a little her daddy um and at first she couldn't she couldn't understand what was going on. She couldn't accept it. He thought that she was unwell um, or had lost her memory. But no, she'd actually swapped with another version of herself in another dimension. And then I carried on and did book two for the other girl that unfortunately ended up in the first person, Penny's life, without a daddy. And so she then had to set off and find herself a daddy. So I found it all very interesting and it was quite fascinating to write. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I love I act that was and it opened my mind. That's what I love about writing. It opens your mind, stretches your mind as well. Yeah, it was sort of I I mean, it's obviously, I guess technically sci-fi, but not, you know, like it was just a small Mm. quirk of reality where the two of them and while I loved the first one. Because I think a lot of us can see that, like the person trying to discover their littleness, the one who knew they were little, then trying to find. I I love that you took it from both angles. Me too. 
Mm-hmm. Well, difficult to categorise the publisher. Yes. <laughs> Sorry? Oh, I was just going to say, so you have answered our first question very in-depthly. And so I'm just wondering, as a writer, what draws you, other than what you just talked about, is there anything else that draws you to a subgenre? Or as a reader, is there any particular books that you're drawn to as a reader that you don't write? Yes, I do like um, murder mysteries. And at the moment, I'm reading um, an author called Faith Martin. And there's absolutely no spanking or sex in it. It's more about mystery, but not gruesome murders. I kind of think modern Miss Marple. Uh, very English as well, set in very English settings. And I love that. I find it very relaxing. But I also do read crime, obviously. Well, not obviously, but I do read crime. Um, I read a lot of good cowboy daddy books. I particularly like Layla Roberts stories. I, I, I've got such a wide reading list, really. And every year I'll read a Jane Austen mm. again because I just love her writing. I do too. Um, but every time I read one of hers, it, it makes me want to write another historical spanking story. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah, I think I would know how I would write, rewrite Pride and Prejudice if I ever <laughs> had that opportunity. Yes. <laughs> it's so... Yes, absolutely. It's just so below the surface in her story. She's an Emma. Was it? Did she write Emma or was that... Yes, no, she did write Emma. She yes. did, okay. I yes. haven't I haven't read yes. Emma in years, but I remember after I read it, I watched the movie that Gwyneth Paltrow did playing Emma. And yes. uh, yeah, and I loved the um, how she gravitated to that hint of humor in that character that is in the story, but it's yes. not uh, it's not as visual uh, in the sense that the I mean, mm-hmm. you, I, in the story, I find her more mischievous, whereas in the movie, I find her more just she has a sense of humor that nobody else understands. <laughs> just my take on it. Mm-hmm. My favourite is Sense and Sensibility because I love Colonel Brandon. Oh, and, yes. Um, yes, he's a character I hold in my head a lot when I'm writing historical books. Um, a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. A uh, character, I should say, because he's not real except in my head. <laughs> and, and the author's head. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, she's... Um... I homeschooled my kids for 11 years and I made sure that my children read the classics. And so my oldest daughter just turned 32 uh, two days ago and her favorite book is Pride and Prejudice. And uh, but my son, like they, they've read Louisa May Alcott. So they've read Little Men, Little Women, and they've, they love all of those stories. It warms my heart that they have appreciation for old time writers. Now, Speaking of loves of books and everything like that, I know in past episodes, I've said how much I love getting reviews. What would you say would be your favorite review or just like the favorite thing for someone to say in a review of one of your books? Well, I've had some lovely reviews and I'm very, very grateful to readers who take the trouble to leave a review, even if they just say, I love this book. And that to me means everything, that they enjoyed it and they loved it. But this, there was a particular review I really did like and I felt proud of by Kat Riker, who is a reviewer on Amazon. May I read it? Yes. But it's really the headline I love. Wow, and hot, holy, holy hot Kindle. Vanessa Brooks wrote a winner here, exclamation mark. 
I just loved that. <laughs> I laughed. It was just so funny. But she she talks about the story and I won't bore you with it because it just goes on about the tale, basically. But she does write a very good review and I'm lucky really with my reviewers that they take the trouble to review my books. I was very unconfident about writing Rolf and part of it was part of the anthology for the Viking series I was in. I'd not written a Viking book before and so I was very gratified to get some good reviews on that. But I'm not sure Viking is for me. I think possibly that it was too violent a time. So I possibly won't write any more of those. Right. Even though I enjoyed that. Do you find that the your biggest fan base is in the UK where you're stationed or in the United no. States? No, very much in the US. Yeah. I think in England, there's a very, very high number of liberated women who um, consider anything like spanking romance to be something that should be completely blocked from society. Great. England is very much a nanny state, and there's an awful lot of, I won't say repression, but perhaps that is what I mean, a lot of repression of women's acceptance of BDSM, for instance. I had some very uncomfortable moments with some ex-neighbours of mine who basically didn't want to know me when they discovered what I was writing. Um, wow. That was not a pleasant experience. It always mm. amazes me when someone sits there and says, oh, I'm a strong woman or I'm a liberated woman and everything like that. So therefore, we must get rid of anything that doesn't meet my needs exactly. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're so strong and liberated in your views, you can accept that there are other views. women, men, you know, <laughs> yes. whatever, that Precisely. like something Precisely. different. And, Many closed minds, I think. And the other thing that we, we've tried to point out within our tropes and whenever we talk about different books is none of us want this to happen to us in real life. <clears throat> you know, the, or, you know, we don't really want, we, you know, we don't want someone to kidnap us on a pirate ship. We don't want them to, <laughs> we don't want to be forced into a marriage or, you know, but we can enjoy reading about it. We can enjoy the fantasy of it. It's escapism. You know, if if I just mm. wanted exactly what is real, I'd watch the news. Uh, not yeah, exactly. Yeah, indeed. I agree. Well, that kind of takes us to tropes. And so there's so many tropes, forced proximity, the alpha hero, marriage of convenience. There's so many tropes. Do you have a favorite, Vanessa? I do like the enemies to lovers. I like the angst between the characters. Yes, Mm -hmm. we do too, don't we, Anne? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, I enjoy that. Okay, so what about your least favorite trope? Do you have something that you just... I think the Stockholm Syndrome, the woman who's um, kidnapped and really abused and hurt, um, who eventually can't live without this kind of treatment. I think that's very unrealistic. I think none of us. um, Yes, there are people who get off on pain, but I don't think there are as many as we like to think or the authors who write such stuff like to think there is. Um, I think I think. a fine line. I mean, it's interesting because those two tropes are actually pretty close together because technically they're enemies to lovers. But what we're talking about is health, you know, healthy versus. Yes, yes, yes. Abuse. It's locked in a cage with no clothes and starved. 
that yeah. I really don't like the idea of. But, yeah, you know, and I can, and and I think that's where the dark comes in is, yeah. and a lot of times certain genres have a lot more dark than they do than others. Like romantic comedy, there aren't many dark, com- you know, romantic comedies. But uh, like I write motorcycle romance, I would say over half of them are dark. Mine aren't, but. Where you forgive things that you wouldn't normally forgive, whether it be cheating, abuse, you know, those sort of things. And so it's interesting Mm -hmm. how we want the push-pull of the enemies to lovers, but we don't want it to cross that line from Mm -hmm. abuse to forgiveness without good cause or without an actual redemption. Yes, yes. I find that... I yeah. find that the stories that tend to go into the dark romance, and, and certainly I'm not categorizing all, but for me, the first thing I will notice is there's a difference between uh, a dominant partner. So I think I'm not the only one who likes to read about the strong male dominant male. That's a very common theme. But the difference between that and, say, a sadist. So I find that the people that are that create the Stockholm syndromes of people, these are people in my personal opinion, that are looking for control over relationship or delivering sensations or wanting to be in a a daddy-dom relationship or any of those other things, is there's a different piece in their personality and their mentality of how that character is represented. And for me, that's what it comes down to. As soon as I start to read, I can tell if I'm reading about just a guy who, like you said earlier, Vanessa, is you like to write about a guy who becomes better because he falls in love or finds the right woman or finds the right sub or finds the right little or whatever the case may be. And these stories, I don't think they get better mm-hmm. necessarily. And I think right. that's they the change. difference for me. They don't necessarily get better. And usually it's only one character changing in those books. Yes. But I also think it's about respect because I've read I've read some books about sadists, but they respected mm. their they respected their masochist they respected like you know you you had a good those two and so the argument of they want to do something but only if the other person is also enjoying it yeah it's when you have the lack of respect where it's like i like this and it doesn't matter what you like right Mm -hmm. and you'll come to like it because i'll force you or you know or whatever the case may be that's that's the line i find difficult Right. Now, if you could write something, whether it be romance or not romance, like if you could write a type of book that is something you don't write right now, what kind of book would it be? Probably uh, a very clever, non-bloody murder mystery. I'd like it to be very, very good with a good twist at the end. But I'm not really that type of writer, so... But I'd love to be able to write very, very good mystery with excellent twists. (laughs) (laughs) I can totally get behind that. (laughs) I'm an Agatha Christie fan. Did you ever, did you grow up reading her books? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, very much so. Yes, I do. I do like them. At the moment, I'm, I'm reading lots of Lisa Regan. I don't know if you've heard of her. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading this Faith Martin, these English setting uh, murder mysteries. And the one I'm reading at the moment is the Jenny Starling books. And Jenny Starling is a chef. And wherever she goes, she encounters a murder. 
and they're actually quite amusing as well. That's I, I grew up as a kid reading uh, Nancy Drew, and yes. so I love those. I loved how she just always managed to be wrapped up somehow in some yeah. way <laughs> with those mysteries. They're wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes so those that's Faith Martin. Is that what you said the author's name was, Vanessa? Yes, yes. I've just started exploring her books, actually. Uh, yeah, I she's got quite a few. On authors and, yeah. mm, yes, they look interesting. Has, yeah. I'll check one she's out. Yes. Mm. Well, I'm enjoying these at the moment. So, and the other, the other genre I absolutely love is Christmas. Um, I just love snow. We don't get an awful lot in the southeast of England, so um, particularly at Christmas time. So, Christmassy snowy books, particularly historical Christmas snowy books, and if there's a spanking, even better. Um, I love them. <laughs> I think the first book I read, uh, I can't remember, sorry, if it was yours or Brandy Golden's, but the first book I read by one of you was a Christmas spanking historical book, uh, short story. And I lo- it was fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. are lots of fun. All right. Before we yes, get like to uh, yeah. the last question, I want to throw in one surprise question. And that is, tell us one thing that, is surprising about you like just as a person that you know reading your books you would never guess this thing about you now that's a good question hmm. when I was 16 I was actually snogged by actor Oliver Reed um, I went to his pub in Surrey with friends and he was in there looking absolutely gorgeous and not debauched as he became later in life and he took quite a shine to me, and I did to him. But his manager, who was in there, was very aware of my age. And um, after we had this rather delicious kiss, he directed me outside the pub, called a taxi, put me in it, and sent me home. So that's my claim to fame. <laughs> that is such a cool story. <laughs> <laughs> For our last question. What are you working on now? What are we going to see next from Vanessa? I have, right, next coming up is a futuristic book, a menage set in the future in um, the area that we now know as Colorado in America after there's been a nuclear war between China and Russia. And um, we have a city of women who live in the sky. They've basically eradicated men from their lives apart from a few breeding males. And down on the ground, underground, were some ordinary characters who um, have now come above ground because the levels of radiation have moved on. They are known as husbands, the men, and the women are subservient in the bedroom, but part of this community, which have lived up until now in caves. And one of the sky women, I'll call them, is in her pod during a massive thunderstorm because the earth is uh, attacked by thunderstorms on a regular basis, far worse than anything we've seen now. And she's knocked off the rail in her pod and two of the males find her from the ground, take her to be their woman. And she wants to go back into the women's city, Mm. but the computer who runs everything there tech his name is or its name is 
won't allow her back in until he's absolutely certain she isn't going to bring in any radiation or viruses, etc. And um, she very quickly decides that actually she will stay with these two males, but I'm not going to give any more away. Oh, that's amazing. I'm also writing um, an anthology, which will be coming out in January. Um, and our, all I'll say is my character is a Viking god. And then there's another anthology in your thing, um, which is part of a series. And mine will be set in modern day America and on a ranch. Oh. And I don't want, again, I can't really give too much away about that. So. So two or three things going on that will be out next year. We'll have to bring Vanessa back in the new year end so we can hear more about them. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds great. Well, I'm hoping that the futuristic book will be out, you know, before September. Um, But it really depends on how quickly the publisher gets on with it. We'll wait and see. Sounds great. We'll look forward to those new things. And I love how you write in such a diverse set of uh subgenres yes me too i just can't i can't box myself into one and um i think nowadays they call an author like myself a unicorn author um (laughs) and i just love it i just love writing in different genres and pushing myself really it's fun and i hope the readers find it fun too thank you i certainly do All right. Thank you for listening to Coast to Coast Romance. Make sure to check out the show description for links to Vanessa Brooks, myself, and Skylar. Thank you all. Thanks, Vanessa, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to Coast to Coast Romance. I'm Ann Jensen. And I'm Skylar West. If you'd like to contact either of us, our links are located in the show notes. Have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us.